Hey everybody, Dr. Chill here. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Welcome to Momentum Mondays, where we discuss how to maximize your mindset and motivation so you can build your momentum to manifest the health and the life that you want. In this episode, I am having a discussion with Mr. Douglas Murphy, who is a mental health expert and an EMDR specialist. This is a clip from the interview that I did with him for my Alternative Health Summit, and we discuss belief systems, mindset, and emotional traumas and how they may be holding you back from your dreams. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You have two choices. You can either struggle in health or thrive in health. Welcome to the podcast, Vitamin Rx, the alternative prescription, where I'm providing bite-sized, holistic solutions to upgrade all areas of your health so you can thrive in life. Join me on my journey to help revolutionize nutrition and health. My name is Dr. Chill, and I'm serving you vitamins for your life. So I am excited to introduce you guys to this next guest. He has some great techniques for us in regards to reducing anxiety, mental health, all of those things that you need to kind of get in the right state of mind. Before I introduce him, though, I am going to give you his little bio. His name is Douglas Murphy. He's actually a really good friend of mine. He's actually one of my best friends. <laughs> so I'm glad that we have him on this summit. But Douglas is a licensed professional counselor. He's certified in family trauma. Um, he's an EMDR specialist. He's worked in the community mental health uh, sector in the greater Phoenix area, providing mental health care to clients of all ages, dealing with a multitude of different challenges and struggles. He became a certified family trauma therapist in 2016 through the Arizona Trauma Institute and has additional extensive training in this area. He has further experience in working with identity issues, grief and loss, stress management, and anxiety, depression, LGBTQ specific issues, and life transition change issues. He's worked into he's worked in the community of mental health and nonprofit for over 10 years. He supervised other clinicians for three years, and he's been in his private practice for one and a half years. Please welcome Mr. Douglas Murphy to the summit. Woohoo! All right, Douglas. <laughs> well, thank you, Jill. I appreciate it. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So I was just telling them, obviously, you are in, t in the mental health field, and I am excited because you're actually our first mental health practitioner. And before we kind of get into some techniques, can you tell us a little bit about why you got into this field you're in? Yeah, no problem. Um, <clears throat> like most people, you know, growing up, I had a lot of things happen. Um, had some trouble figuring out where I wanted to go in life. Um, mm -hmm. Went back to school in my 20s. Went back for business. Uh, really didn't fit me so well. Um, I took a psychology course trying to really figure out where I fit in. And at the same time, I was trying to figure out some things for myself. I was struggling with some stuff. So I went, I went mm -hmm. and saw a therapist uh, at Arizona State University in the Counseling Center. 
And in doing so, it really helped me, right? And I really felt connected and a little light bulb kind of went off in my head and I said, man, you know, this might be something that I could do. And so I switched over to a counseling um, undergrad and I finished that up. And through that, I really found my path um, to, to be in mental health and to be in counseling. I've always been a people person. You know, the business school really didn't fit me because I didn't really feel like I would be fulfilled mm -hmm. in that area. But through connection and, and, and working with people and helping them, I think that that really helped me find my purpose and, and my direction in life. It's really, for you, it was about being able to connect to what you really wanted to do and to really help people. Very much so, very much so. I'm, I'm a very connection person. I, I, I really strive and I, I really find value in, in deep connection, you know? And hmm. so um, those people I, I consider close, like you, I have pretty, pretty deep connections with, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't have that many people that I kind of keep, keep surface. I just kind of, uh, I really value connection. And in, in therapy, you've got to form extremely deep, trusting um, relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you've been in community health and you've worked in the community, especially even now with the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community. What are some of the stories that you've had in regards to how you've transformed some, some of your patients or clients' lives? And obviously, you don't have to go into demographics. <laughs> we'll, we'll still be like HIPAA compliant. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, that's a really, really deep question, you know? Um, and that varies, you know, because therapy looks different for everybody. Um, it really depends on people's goals. I do specialize in trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So... And I'm finding that I specialize in extremely complex trauma the deeper I go. Um, you know, I had a, you know, I had some things happen in my childhood that were, that were tough on me. And, yeah. you know, every kiddo is different in how they interpret things and how they absorb things, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but I, um, I think we all have that kind of stuff. So therapy for some people might just be talking it out, right? Other people, we might find that we've got bigger issues that are, are really woven into their childhood and how their belief system got built up and oftentimes that includes trauma right mm -hmm. and so and those things kind of stick with you obviously we've kind of discussed this a little bit and and how things have happened with you yeah yeah well you know in life we're taught to kind of keep going right keep pushing mm -hmm. don't look back look forward and keep pushing but the reality is is when things happen they don't go away Mm -hmm. um, what we know through EMDR is that that traumatic memories store in your brain in a different place, right? Mm. And they store in emotions, right? So when you have that theme pop up again in your life, those emotions come rushing back and they kick you, right? And so, so to answer your question, I think some of the most fulfilling um, um, results I've seen are, are when people can move forward in life without the same triggers, the same hangups and feel a better sense of control, purpose, and direction. Really, yeah. That's kind of what we're looking for in therapy. I think that's like everybody's life goal yeah. is to, to get some sort of direction, to have some sort of foundation where they can go upon to get to their goals in life. Yeah. So I love what you're doing. Um, you touched upon this really quickly before you got into like the purpose. You, you, you said that with EMDR, we find that the memories are stored in a certain area. Do you know, is it in like your, your memory storage area, like short-term, long-term? 
I, I don't know the details of that. What I do know is that when your fight or flight turns on, half mm -hmm. of your brain shuts down, right? Because mm -hmm. all of that energy needs to go to those, those processes and those systems that help you like, you know, run or fight, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the systems that stay awake are the ones uh, that involve emotion and that involve, you know, um, uh, vision, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of our traumatic memories store in pictures and emotions, right? And uh, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. So I'm not exactly sure, but it, it, it's a different neural network, right? It's a different place in your neurology, in mm -hmm. your brain, that it stores and it stores differently. So it mm -hmm. is more about emotion and specific pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and it can be sensory all the way around, right? It's not just one sense uh, sense at all. It's it's all of your senses, and so yeah, it just stores differently, and that's why you know it doesn't go away, because it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and an end mm -hmm. like other experiences do, because your fight or flight is turned on. Yeah, and you're constantly kind of reliving it. Your your brain is constantly going back to that that chatter or that that mentality that you have until you address it. And with like the memory portion, one of the biggest things with memory is having an emotional response to it. And so mm -hmm. if you've had a traumatic experience, you're going to uh, your brain is automatically going to put that in your long-term memory sec uh, sector in your brain because there's so much emotion involved in that. And so what you you what you've been doing is really just kind of helping your clients work through that emotional trauma so yeah. it mm -hmm. so they're not reacting to it as much yeah and then mm -hmm. yeah there's a number number right. of pieces to the puzzle people um we have to really help people learn their system right mm -hmm. and in trauma you know when you're traumatized as a child it's it's complex right because when a child has a reaction to something um and it's it's traumatizing to them because it's stored in emotion, sometimes there's an underlying theme that gets worked in, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you're not being seen for who you are and validated like a child needs, that child starts thinking that, okay, there must be something wrong with me. I'm not mm -hmm. good enough. Mm -hmm. And that becomes part of their belief system, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not overt, you know, but sometimes we can have this underlying narrative that goes throughout our life of, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, mm -hmm. for this or for that. And those are the things that really kind of perpetuate throughout the lifespan is that, those early experiences and the emotion involved creates a belief system. Mm -hmm. and the metaphor I use is that when that happens, it creates a, a cracked foundation, mm. right? And then everything that comes on top of it is also cracked, right? Mm. And so in EMDR, we often want to go from the very beginning and identify traumatic situations so that we fix that foundation, right? And then we start resolving things that came after it and then we so we were building on a solid foundation and then we can rework everything hmm. so our so whole system changes how we see ourselves how we see the world trust all of that stuff can be worked through so i love that analogy because you're you're literally just rebuilding the foundation because if you don't have a strong foundation to start off with then everything kind of crumbles right um, that's right. And, and one, one traumatic experience feeds another, right? Mm -hmm. So, so let's say you have a traumatic experience that involves feeling not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's something wrong with you. The and next that's time, so many people, <laughs> right? The next time something of that nature happens, it triggers the emotion from the earlier experience mm -hmm. and that feeds and kind of exacerbates or strengthens the, the, 
the effect of that next one, right? And mm-hmm. so then it's just like a snowball effect throughout your lifespan to where eventually you just, you know, it's, it's, it can be very overwhelming. But when we go back and resolve things in the beginning and then start resolving all the things that came after it, slowly but surely it gets easier and easier because the fuel's taken out of the fire. Hmm. I feel like I need to sit on my the therapy couch. <laughs> yeah, in the session yeah, right now. Deep, man, I'm telling you, we're, we're we're going in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so obviously, the childhood traumas, the feeling of not being good enough, mm-hmm. that is happening to a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. who are watching this right now. What are some ways and techniques that people can use in their day-to-day life to kind of overcome some of those obstacles? Obviously, this is a, you know, this has to be worked on, but what are some, what are some techniques that you are providing with your clients that maybe some of our attendees may get help with as well? Yeah, I've been thinking about this question a bunch and I came up with a, a couple that I think, um, are basic but good. You know, we go about life and uh, we often avoid a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we just fall into these patterns that are really easy and simple. And, and the first thing that I can say is that the best thing you can do is start to look inward, right? We often avoid looking inward and mm-hmm. kind of evaluating things, right? Because there's a fear there. there. There's a fear there because, mm-hmm. you know, we all have a lot of stuff, right? Yeah insecurities, past stuff. So looking inward can be hard, right? So start to look inward, try to really understand and accept yourself, right? Those are big pieces of the puzzle. Um, try to identify what you need. Most people don't do that, right? We, we often, especially look at, look at relationships. We, we look at somebody, we're, we go towards something that's attractive. Do we ever look at whether or not they're a good fit for us? Mm-hmm. And they meet our needs, right? We've got to look at these things. We've got to, we've got to, so we've got to understand ourselves, accept ourselves, figure out what our needs are. And then, then we can go from there. That's a good place to go from, right? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we try to fill our needs or fit our needs um, with, with things that aren't appropriate. And yeah. that's, that's torturous, right? Um, so that's number one. Number two is... I'm going to stop you. I'm going to yeah. hold on right there. What I obviously going in trying to figure out yourself can be difficult to do, you know, like what are some ways that some people they're like, Hey, I I get told to go inward. What, what are, how do I do that? (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, A lot of tools are very helpful for this. And this is something I was going to get into a little bit later, but um, you know, journaling is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, mindfulness, many forms of mindfulness are really great for going inward. Yoga, meditation, mindfulness practices are fantastic. That's when we can slow ourselves down, get out of our heads, and really be present with ourselves. Um, the other piece where I was going to go next, but it applies directly to this, is feeling, right? Mm. So oftentimes we avoid feeling. Mm-hmm. And that can be horrible, right? Because the more we avoid feeling, the bigger those feelings get and the scarier they get. And then the more we avoid them, right? And so what we want to really do is we've got to get good at feeling. We've got to get good at regulating our emotions, right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes we feel like those emotions are scary and out of control. So learning regulation, um, learning to feel, 
journaling your feelings, starting to get in tune with those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, exploring how you feel about things, getting deeper and deeper with your feelings, right? Because mm -hmm. feelings aren't simple, right? If it's anger, there's often something under anger that you're not yep. yet seeing, and you need to get through the anger to get to that deeper level. The mm -hmm. deeper and more, more um, specific we can get about our feelings and naming them, the easier it is to deal with them because feelings are fleeting, right? Mm -hmm. But the more we're not in tune with our feelings and the more of we avoid them, the more they stick around, right? So once we face them and allow ourselves to feel them, we can often get through them. So it's really about naming them as well and acknowledging mm -hmm. that they're there and allowing them to happen and then allowing it to kind of go through through you so for me with like the journaling practice i it, i mean we all have many computers in our pockets at all times and yeah. there's so many different apps for journaling the second yeah. that i have like a inner thought pattern that i need to kind of get down i put it right on my phone I, there's yeah. a whole note section that i have you know and that's been really helpful in regards for me to dig deeper into myself and then figure out what's going on with where these feelings are coming from. And then the next thing that I like to do is I like to be like, where are these feelings coming from? Is it actually coming from me? Or is it coming from societal pressure, somebody else's thought patterns, and right. I'm falling into that? And, and or is it coming from my ego state of mind? Um, so I'm really trying to, and then that doing something like that and just stopping myself and being like, okay, where is this coming from? That helps me with being like, going in and being, being and figuring out exactly where it stems from, then I can go beyond that. And then kind of, it's like what we, what we talked about before is like setting that foundation. Where is this coming from? And then you yeah. can move beyond that. Well, and you know, that's, that can be really hard to do on your own. That's the mm -hmm. hard piece, right? So I do yeah. recommend people find somebody, a helping professional. I, I, there's a lot of value in therapy. I know there's a lot of stigma out there. I think it's, it's getting a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But finding somebody to help you sift through that stuff is really helpful because the reality of, if we, if we get a little deeper with the emotions, right? So when we're highly emotional, when we have trauma, we're more hypervigilant. Our, our emotions are more on the surface and ready to be triggered at any time, right? Mm -hmm. So there's studies that show that people that have trauma are more likely to get pretty much every disease because their sympathetic nervous system is overactive, right? Mm. And so- um, So true. And so what happens is, is then our emotions become very distorted, right? And so sometimes when, it, when you're in the middle of that, it's hard to see it. And that's why a therapist is really important, right? So mm -hmm. the distortions look like all or nothing thinking, like black mm -hmm. or white thinking, catastrophization, right? Only paying attention to the negatives and not seeing the positives. There's a lot of distortions involved with thinking that, that emotions really push us towards. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at politics, it's all about emotions these days, right? Because mm -hmm. they're trying to push us towards the edges, right? Mm -hmm. they're trying to separate us, unfortunately, right? And so emotions really try to, uh, they, they, when they're really active, right, they really distort things. And that's mm -hmm. why, again, back to mindfulness, meditation, exercise, we've got to take care of our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. All those things are good because they help us regulate our system and help us more, more effectively manage our emotions. Mm. And that's true self-care is, yeah. is what you touched upon is like the mindfulness, the exercise, the meditation, figuring out what works for you. I actually discussed this in my mini book, uh, The Scale of Health, and it's, I have a section under there where it talks about self-care and it goes into, this is not your luxurious soap spa day kind of self-care, right? That's why like people think of when they're 
thinking about self-care. Self-care is like, hey, what is going to be good for me in the long term? So what do I need to do today to make me better today, tomorrow, and beyond? Um, and that goes down to figuring out techniques like mindfulness, meditation, exercise, and incorporating those into your life, along with having some of those spa days and the massages and all of that as well. So that needs to be incorporated into it as well. And then finding your boundaries, you know, and, and figuring out um, what is actually really good for you, when to say no to things, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that are givers, you know, like, and sometimes they give too much. So when do they need to practice this uh, sort of self-care? And that, and that, for me, is what I had to learn the hard way. Um, and, and sometimes I felt like I was giving myself too much at times, you know? And then I really had to kind of like set boundaries and be like, okay, I need to do this for me as well. So I kind of love that you are bringing it back to that self-care with everybody to mm -hmm. bring them to that next level. Well, yeah, and boundaries are extremely important and people with trauma have a really hard time with boundaries. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. um, in terms of uh, self-care, you know, I think, I think something that we're not taught, maybe we are and we just don't listen, I'm not sure, but um, a healthy mind and a healthy body go hand in hand, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of our parents don't, don't really take care of themselves very well, yeah. uh, you know? And I think they're, it's really easy to fall into those patterns. This world is so much more complex, right? And life is so much more complex. And that little computer we have in our pocket creates different neural issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so it creates a lot of addiction kind of stuff. It creates a lot of anxiety because, you know, our brains were not made to have access to a computer like that with all this feedback all the time and all this, all this stuff that's trying to manipulate us. So yes, we have to take care of our, ourselves. And that's a big challenge sometimes is mm -hmm. helping people get to the point of understanding that it needs to be a priority. You know, mm -hmm. I know life's very busy and we've got all these obligations, but you need to take care of yourself and you need to figure out how that works for you. Right. And mm -hmm. those boundaries are extremely important because if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not eating right, if you're not, you know, prioritizing those things for yourself, it's going to affect you mentally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, was there another like takeaway that you wanted to give to these attendees? So first was going down, um, going deep inside yourself and trying to have some self-acknowledgement, trying to figure mm -hmm. that out. And then the second was understanding your emotions. And right. then obviously that, that kind of like flowed into self-care. So I guess with yeah. the self-care portion be like the third part of that. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of the three parts that kind of really stick out to me. But again, find yourself a therapist. There's no harm in doing a little deep dive into yourself. I'll tell you a little bit of uh, personal information. I actually just, I'm, I'm right at the end of my own treatment because in working with people, it became very apparent to me that I had some stuff to get through as well. And, um, you know, doing so has been one of the greatest gifts that I've gotten or given myself, you know, throughout my lifespan. I. Mm -hmm. I see things completely different now. I've been able to get past things that 
I really wasn't able to, able to even acknowledge were holding me back until mm-hmm. I really dug in and identified those things and reworked those things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, having a therapist and being able to trust that person and tell them every little thing and every very difficult thing that's in your head is it's, it's a gift, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I hope we all can get to the point where we're vulnerable enough, and, you know, to, to, to look inward and find somebody to help us do that because the, the value in it and what you can get out of it, you know, as a person to, to try to be this best version of you. And that was my goal going in, mm-hmm. trying to find the best version of myself. It really, it really can, can, can help you achieve that goal. And it's really having that accountability with that therapist and then where you allow yourself to be vulnerable. Because I think I said this with somebody else who um, I love what Brene Brown has to say, where she, she talks about like, like don't courage. get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she talks about like, you know, courage and vulnerability and like they go hand in hand. Like you can't have courage without vulnerability, you, you know? Yeah. And so many people don't allow themselves to be vulnerable. So, you know, you, you have to, in order to have courage, you have to have that vulnerability. And, and that is what's going to allow you to kind of go deep inside and figure out where, where, you're, where you're really coming from and what you're truly wanting out of life. Yeah, Brene talks about being in the arena, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, finding a therapist and doing this is being in the, the arena. Mm. You're actually doing the work, right? Yeah. But you're right, trust. You know, a therapeutic relationship is supposed to be a reparative relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship that there is confidentiality, there is trust, there are boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. This is supposed to represent what a relationship should like, look like, right? Mm-hmm. And so even through finding somebody and having that trusting relationship where you do learn to trust, it can transform you just in that respect, you know? Absolutely. I wanna go back to your second thing about emotions. And you talk about like, hey, it's healthy to allow these emotions to come out what if you're extremely angry at that moment? What are some techniques to still allow that anger to come out, but obviously not hurt anybody? Well, you know, uh, cardiovascular is, is my buddy, right? I run, that's how I kind of like keep myself regulated. But anger, anger is specific. Um, you know, honestly, taking a break from whatever you're doing is, is most valuable, right? Because when you're stuck in it, you need to get the hell out of there, right? Mm-hmm. And so often taking a walk, clearing your head, breathing exercises, you know, there are a number of different breathing exercises you can get into. Um, but anger is often, you know, it's something we work through in EMDR a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, but there are a lot of techniques that can really help you in a moment regulate your emotions more effectively, right? And for everybody, that's going to be different. I often do a couple different breathing exercises, just, you know, good diaphragmal breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. Sometimes you add a little imagery, so you're getting out of your head and you, you imagine those clean, clean, crisp colors coming in, right? And that polluted dark air going out so that you're actually cleaning out your system, right? Four, seven, eight breathing, right? So you breathe in for four, you hold it for seven, you exhale for eight, getting all that air out. You do that for a while, you're gonna tap in your polyvagal system, which is gonna help you relax, right? We often work, in, in my room, we always talk on zero to 10 scales, right? So your brain shuts down at like a seven or an eight. So you need to make sure your, your emotions are in check and you need to be checking in with yourself. And if, if they're getting higher up there, and this is the first thing I work on with people is we identify coping skills. We help you learn your system and we get you in tune with being able to note 
and see the signs when you're actually getting to that point where your brain's going to stop working right, right? So you can feel more control. But yeah, breathing, taking a break. I, we, I bring in acupressure techniques into my practice, um, but yoga, meditation, journaling, all of this can help. See, that goes back to the self-care. It kind of like all it's coincides. It's all intertwined, man. Yep. It's all intertwined. Mm -hmm. And I love that four, seven, eight breathing technique. I do it actually every morning before my meditation. Mm -hmm. So um, it really helps you to take a pause. And I think that is like the biggest thing when it becomes to not controlling your emotions, but being, you know, having acknowledge of your emotions and then it's that little pause that allows you to take that break. And you can't really have that unless you practice things like mm -hmm. mindfulness, meditation, the deep breathing techniques like that, what you just talked about. Right. Um, it allows your brain to be like, hey, I need to take that moment. And then it, it, it triggers something where it brings you out of the emotional state. Um, so right. yeah, thank you for sharing that information. So yeah. the four, seven, eight breathing technique. So mm -hmm. you're taking a breath in for four counts, holding it for seven, and then breathing it out for eight. That's correct. Doing that maybe just even like three times a day. Um, or when you, whenever you feel anxiety or anger or any kind of weird emotion, that kind right. of helps to kind of restabilize you. Yeah, be um, careful with that one in driving. I tried to do that once when I started getting light, lightheaded and I was like, whoa, maybe not while I'm driving. <laughs> I, I guess any of these techniques with, without driving. <laughs> well, yeah. mindfulness you could do while driving. Yeah, you can, you know, mindful walking, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of things you can do mindfully, right? <laughs> um, so those were great, great techniques. I think that what the attendees are going to get a lot from that. If they want to work with you, where can they find you? My website is actually healthymindbetterlife.com. Mm, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's my website. I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Um, my caseload is full, but you know, I, I try to always have people I, I can recommend to people if I'm not available. The hard part about what I do is that sometimes with the work I do with complex trauma, that, that, that takes a while, right? And so we've got to build trust, we've got to build skills, then we've got to do deep dive. Mm -hmm. And then we've got to work on the EMDR stuff, which can take time. So sometimes I'm seeing people six months, a year or more, right? Because this yeah. takes time. And so it's not always easy for me to take new clients, right? But mm -hmm. when I have a spot come open, I fill it pretty quickly. Awesome. And even if he can't see you, he's gonna give you a great recommendation. He has a good network around him. So. Mm -hmm. If you still want to reach out to him, make sure you do so. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. As an avid podcast listener, I'm aware that you could have listened to a plethora of other shows out there. Hopefully what I shared with you today helped you on your journey in being the highest and best version of yourself in health and in life. If this did help you in some way, please share it with someone else who you think might need this as well. We are definitely stronger when we help one another. And I would love if you could subscribe and give me a five-star review. And as a thank you, I want to help you even further by giving you a bunch of free goodies. Who doesn't love free goodies? I know I do. So go to vitaminrx.me forward slash free 
Again, that is vitaminrx.me forward slash free where you will get free access to my health directory with a bunch of resources, guides, books, access to my supplements, my favorite supplements and my protocols and much, much more. So enjoy. My name is Dr. Chill with Vitamin Rx. Thanks again for tuning in. Here is to us, to becoming the best versions of ourselves. I'll see you next time. Much love.